Hello and welcome to another episode of Are You a Weezer Fan? As always, I'm John, here with Bill. John, take the White Album off repeat, please. The show that brings you the chronological story of Weezer history, music, and lore. Bill, what do we got today? Today is interesting. We are at the end of our blue chapter. So we are going to bring to you, the audience, well, just like some bullshit. We're just going to talk out some things about the blue cycle we've realized or thought about. Uh, We are going to give you a full wrap up at the end of the state of the band where everybody's hanging out because this is just the beginning. We got a lot going on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but this is going to be a pretty loose, fun episode. Um, you know, we're going to listen to some B-sides. We're going to uh, hit on some things that we may have missed and or gotten wrong um, leading up to this episode. Um, we're going to listen to some non-Weezer tunes as well, some surprise tracks that uh, each of us, you know, kind of brought to the table today. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, Sunday morning. I'm double fisting coffee and beer. It's <laughs> the way to do it, man. Yeah. Uh Yeah, but, uh, so I just finished a book called Where Are Your Boys Tonight, which is not a Catholic church book, but it is a book about emo, uh, third wave emo throughout the 2000s, which oddly, I think is odd because during this second rise of Weezer in the 2000s, a lot of people Mm -hmm. were categorizing them as an emo band. Incorrectly. I, I'm not too sure because a lot of these third wave emo bands definitely cite Pinkerton and Blue as like major influences. I like absolutely. I think Blue and Pinkerton are massively influential albums in third and then post third wave emo. Yes, but where we're at right now. Um, but I I would call. Pinkerton like an emo adjacent album I would call Weezer an emo adjacent band typically musically they don't hit on a bunch of the things that really define emo um yeah and I mean they definitely have no basis in the uh, hardcore emotional music of the first wave emo of DC right um so and, you know it is interesting they they I I mean, I, I guess they do kind of fill the gap in the second wave emo because you have first wave emo in emotional hardcore DC, which started mm-hmm. with Rites of Spring and Embrace and later kind of formed with Fugazi. Yep. And then Fugazi kind of became an adjacent. They're not emotional hardcore, but they're right there. Right. And the early 90s are missing that connection point to where the second wave begins. So maybe... Maybe they help influence the second wave? I I mean, no, because I would say that the second wave is more kind of like the Cap'n Jazz. Um, Yeah, well, like, yeah, Cap'n Jazz, but, like, also Jimmy Eat World was starting in the mid-early 90s. Yeah, um, but I would say the second wave is when we started to get a lot more of kind of, like, the, you know, tappy and, like, post-hardcore and post-rock influences starting to come in there. And from there is where, I mean, Cap'n Jazz straight up, members break off and are american football yes um and that is you know the second wave midwesty yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah. i mean I, I don't know i feel like some twinkly guitars from from uh blue like kind of might 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 have had some influence on mm-hmm. that i mean maybe less so than i don't i don't know it's it's weird that they yeah. just got like so some sometimes thrust in the emo category. Now I feel like nobody thinks of Weezer as an emo band. 
No. Um, no, they are like stadium rock. Well, yeah. Amphitheater rock, to be accurate. But. And, and as much as, you know, us emo kids glom on to Pinkerton especially, because uh, lyrically I would say Pinkerton is the closest Weezer's gotten to like a full emo album. Yeah, I guess. Um, but... That personally, I would say emo adjacent and heavily influential on everything that came past it. But uh, I would not call it emo myself. Interesting. I think I agree with you. I also don't call like My Chemical Romance emo. I um, think I disagree with you. So you know, <laughs> it, 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 and I, and I don't want to be gatekeepy because like I love My Chemical Romance. I love Weezer, um, but. You know, if if we really actually want to get into uh, breakdowns of genres and delineations and shit, uh, I I don't think I don't think they fit. I don't think they actually fit. But if you want to call them that, I'm not going to say well, actually, like yeah, fuck yeah. If you enjoy the music and you want to say it's emo or emo adjacent, totally fine. Yeah, but I mean, if that if that that's what we're looking at, I feel like a mom jeans or a. Uh, what's another fourth wave emo band with twinkly guitars? A mom jeans is closer to Weezer than they are to Mikem or even Jimmy Eat World. Mm. <laughs> Man, this is like a, a very interesting conversation. That I mean, we're gonna we're gonna do this for an hour, or I mean, we could, but like you know, we'll. This <laughs> is just because I, re- just I mean, finished honestly, this book yesterday, uh, right? And we're we Pinkerton is the next chapter, Bill. Like, come on, I know we're, I we're know. getting ahead of ourselves a little okay, bit. Okay, well, uh, here I I can I can get us back on track real quick with a quick correction. I think we can do corrections real quick. I don't think we have too many from the episodes we've done. No, I mean, I mean, hopefully people will actually listen to the show and call us out. But um, you know, for the people that have not called us out on the things that you haven't listened to yet because we <laughs> haven't even released our first episode at the recording of this. We'll get there. Uh, you know, fuck you. Uh, um, yeah. so, so what I did was, we get wrong? Uh, really, the main one I'm bringing is I could not get over that uh, a brand new lyric was credited for an Archers of Loaf song. But in this book that I just finished that I got me on this emo rant, it will not stop talking about Archers of Loaf and Archers of Loaf's influence on second and third wave emo and how bands would cover them all the time. And there's a good chance Jesse Lacey did purposely take a lyric of four words from an Archers of Loaf song. And like, not even like an obscure, weird four words, but like, I swear that's just a phrase. Yeah. Or is it because I grew up on brand new that quiet on the quote, quiet on the coast is just in my head. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, okay. Archers of Loaf. Uh, I've, I've got one too. Um, yes, John. I was thinking that Rico Kasich was working on a Vandals album before uh, Weezer. No, he had done a Bad Brains album before that, working with Weezer. Got it. Good yeah. correction, John. Um, so yeah, heard but about Rick, that. Rick Kasich did uh, uh, produce the Suicide album. I believe they only had one. If not, I think he did both of them. But check out Suicide. They're a very weird experimental... Uh, 80s kind of punk band 70s kind of punk band okay um the final final correction i don't know if it's correction because i am now confused and we might have a mystery on our hands Mm -hmm. michael and carly were said to have met weezer at a specific concert verified both by the weezerpedia 
um, which you know Weezer maintains, as well as an issue of Michael and Carly's uh, Weezine, the <laughs> Weezer Zine. Right. However, Michael and Carly specifically state in this Weezine that they they went to the show to see a band called Crux. Crux is not listed on the date of the show that they claim to have gone to. Yeah, they're not on the flyer, and they're not on the Weezerpedia as playing that show. So, one, if they're not on the flyer... Then maybe they got, like, last-minute throw-on crux, Michael not and Carly, a huge deal. Like, we'll it's go the early see 90s, friends. whatever, totally. But why... What? Then why doesn't anything say that crux got added last minute? Right, because it's, it's in the Weezine as crux being at that show. <laughs> Wait, why does the Weezerpedia not corroborate that story with what are two of their own sources uh i, I don't remember if we uh, explained what a wheezing is but the uh the, the the stages of the fan club we got to the spot where the weezer fan club you received a copy of the wheezing a fanzine made by michael and carly mailed out to every member of the weezer fan club like handwritten and hand xeroxed it looked like um <laughs> The yeah, Carl it's, it's Cook wrote in every single one. Like, yeah, no, it was uh, absolutely insane the amount of love and work that Michael and Carly were put into this band. I, I am curious because the <laughs> first issue of the Weezine is all handwritten, uh, except for a couple of things typed up. Mm-hmm. The second issue of Weezine is mostly typed up. In the third issue, they go back to handwritten. So I don't know if the typing up was a pain in the ass or something, but... They kind of dropped it for episode or for issue three. Okay. And I, you shotgunned a bunch of those last night, right? I only went through one through three because that is where okay. we are in the story. Well, thank it, you. It, okay. Issue three hey, came out in, uh, <laughs> in mid 95, I believe summer 95. Okay. Um, well, awesome. What shit? If that's all our well, mistakes. Yeah. I think another good about all these. great transition is um, the Wee Zine would, uh, Michael and Carly would in, like give you instructions on how to get a hold of, of every Weezer song, because not every song's on the album. There are B-sides. There's uh, things that didn't make the album. There's demos. A lot of these came out on singles, because when you put out a single track, you usually release the song that you're promoting, and then a handful of other tracks that you can't get anywhere else to help sell the single. So Michael and Carly would help tell you where to find these things, and they'd be like, go to your record store and see this. If they don't have it, ask them to order it from this record label, and they'll send you this copy of saying ain't so that has this certain b-side on it and uh, um i think we want to talk about some of those b-sides yeah absolutely because uh, one of these b-sides is uh, one of your favorite okay we're gonna, we're gonna start with me yeah i think so um and it's funny because this this song will come back many many episodes from now I'm going to force us to listen to this song again, oh, and it's going to make everyone laugh. I can't um, wait. I'm going to have a good time with it. But um, yeah, I think without further ado, let's just jump into it. Um, Suzanne? That's a good fucking track. It's so good. Um, oh, I love that song so much. Yeah, that's kind of like that to me, just like you said about Holiday on the Blue album episode, 
that to me is Weezer hitting the formula. Yes, like they really nailed oh. it. The, you can that solo, good guitar solo follows the uh, vocal melodies, and also on that guitar solo, there's a synth solo, a, a dueling synth solo mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. the guitar. Yeah, which is something uh, Rivers specifically wanted to keep off the Blue Album. It did make it in, obviously. Yeah, he, he was saving um, his synth for his. Well, well, we got a whole nother chapter coming up, but he was saving the synth, let's say. Yeah. Um, uh, so that's a banger, man. I think Rivers hits one of my... Okay, I have... A, I don't know if you know this, John, but I do have a criteria for perfect lyrics. I know you get mad at me a lot because I don't you pay attention. I don't, don't pay listen attention. to the songs that you I listen to. I don't pay attention to lyrics a lot. Perfect lyrics include a personal story... But that personal story could also be taken for the B point is just a completely different, obscure. It's personal, but then there's also it's vague enough to just fill any void anybody needs it to. And the third one is that your words just sound good. You can have stupid sounding words that mean good things. Like, like I'll take it back to Sweater Song. He, he means a lot with his stupid words, but he's got stupid words right there. Suzanne is an A&R rep that was at Geffen that like really supported Weezer during the time of the Blue Album. So when you have the lyric, even Izzy Slash and Axl Rose, you uh, when I call, you put them all on hold. If you don't know the details, somebody's just hanging up or putting aside famous Famous people for you, because they love you, John. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When you know the details, Guns N' Roses is on Geffen. The lyric is actually, you help my band instead of Guns N' Roses. That doesn't relate to the masses. But it's relatable enough because (laughs) it's just, you you, you put the album on pause for me, and that fucking hits. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. But then when you just take it from a base level of, you know, some teenager in his bed, it's like, man, what if a girl did turn down Axl Rose for me? And it follows through the whole song. That 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 line's the best, best example, but the whole song, that's what it is. It's about this woman that's just like, go Weezer, go. Blue album, yay. Oh, yeah, no, Guns N' Roses can wait. Blue album, let's go. But it hits on a deeper level, which is what I think perfect lyrics are. All right. Um, this song I, I, is so good. <laughs> I like. I think overall, I disagree with your interpretation of perfect lyrics, Ooh. but I think I need to break that down and actually give you a real rebuttal at some point. Fine. Um, but I will not disagree with you that that is like a perfect Weezer song. Ooh, so well, that's where Weezer should be. Well, um, that's where they should be. I think. I think you're gonna take us before though. I am. I'm going to bring us back to the kitchen tape, um, and this is a direction that I just wish we would have gotten a little bit more from Weezer. Um, you definitely hit on the old-school, light-hearted American rock and roll side of Weezer. Yeah. My song is going to bring us to the uh, Nevermind just came out and it blew my fucking mind side <laughs> of Weezer. Um, but before we jump into one of my favorite Weezer tracks. How could you get this song according to the Weezine? Look this up while we listen because I want to see how Michael and Carly would tell me how I could get Paper Face.
bad news, John, to you and all the people of the 90s. Couldn't get Paperface until it was released on the Blue Album Deluxe on Spotify recently? Uh, yep. The Blue, well, Blue Album Deluxe in 2004 you could have gotten a hold of, which okay. would have contained Paperface. Fine. The closest you get to in the Weezine is when Carl Cook just kind of brags about what the complete Weezer discography would look like at the time. <laughs> Doesn't tell you how to get it, but he's like, kitchen tape demo, uh, demo three, Blue Album, and these 12 different versions of Blue Album. Okay. Uh, yeah, so that's a song from the Kitchen Tapes. It's punk as fuck. Like, that's not the Weezer formula, but in an alternate universe, if Weezer had decided that was the formula, holy fucking shit would I love Weezer. Absolutely, but I mean, it's it's really obvious that they'd be in a different level. Like, if you stayed with that, you'd be playing much smaller couple thousand cap venues well yep thousand cap venues instead of amphitheaters every summer pretty much selling out no problem right um instead of just you know being highly influential to a band that we love pup they would probably just yeah. still be playing with pup might be opening for pop um, if you just did that for yeah that honestly at this point but uh yeah no that song god damn i wish we get like i just wish they sprinkled a little bit more of their fucking punk chops into uh later works i don't know i kind of disagree i think that having punk chops having chops at all is very important and uh, when you're able to restrain yourself at a point it can help with what you're doing the, there's a there's an i think it was an interview with um angus young of acdc mm-hmm. when the eruption solo from van halen came out and they said Hey, Angus, how come you don't play like this? And he says, oh, I do. I call that practice because that's what it is. <laughs> Just playing very quickly the same thing over and repeat. Mm-hmm. That's what punk rock is. That's what the paper face that Patrick Wilson yeah. could paka, 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 all day if he wanted to or if he needed to. Yep. But the fact that he can makes him a better drummer. Right. Now, and, and that's just, you know, I, I totally agree with not putting this on the blue album uh i totally agree with not really moving forward with this type of a sound as a whole for weezer um but i do think we don't get weezer as we know them without a song like this yeah, because there's also so much fucking Weezer in here. Yes. Um, especially in the bridge after <laughs> yeah, uh, the yeah, first that's... part before it kind of slows down. Mm-hmm. It's just like absolutely Weezer. You get the uh, acoustic guitar that's not really mixed in super heavy in the background, but dude is just fucking hit. Yeah, it. well, because what? It was still Jason, right? Yeah, still and Jason again, for the kitchen tape. Like Jason's job was acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just saw a band a couple nights ago that was obviously influenced by that, uh, the Front Bottoms. Um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Front man of the Front Bottoms, Brian Sella, is just absolutely fucking wailing on an acoustic guitar all night with a band with electric instruments behind him. Um, but holy shit, man. All right. But that was a couple of good songs, man. I'm happy with that. Um, what what are you bringing to the table for the secret song today? Yeah, all right. So we're going to try to fill this section with most likely a Weezer-related song. 
or well let's not say a weezer related let's say related to this chapter of weezer yes we are in 1994 1995 um last episode i i became um quickly obsessed a brief manic episode about new metal because new metal is coming. It, 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 it's it's going to happen. We're almost there. But that's not what we're talking about today. And then I also took a look. I, I took a step back from new metal. And I looked at my favorite hardcore bands. And Refused and Converge both put out albums this year. But hardcore was in a kind of a weird spot where the lead singer is just like. Like for all the verses. And that's not what I'm going to talk about today. Today's the most uh impending threat to weezer ska music is about to have its third For wave in the mainstream sake, man the third wave oh, of ska God. is about to break like i knew the fact that we brought up rancid at some point you were gonna start going Absolutely. into this kind and of I'm, shit. I'm not even sure if rancid's what got us there but like rancid and no doubt coming up with their because rancid no doubt honestly yeah. have kind of more of a third or a second wave ska feel to them this third wave of ska though was bubbling from underneath with mighty mighty boss tones and the band we're gonna listen to today John, we're going to listen to Real Big Fish today. We're going to listen to Beer by Real Big Fish. Beer. But we're going to listen to Beer off of Turn Off the Radio and not the album that came out in 1995, Everything Sucks, because they re-recorded the song three different times. Okay, so we want the 1996 Turn the Radio off. Yes. Okay, gotcha. Beer. Yes, John, Ska is coming. Ska is going to have its moment. Man, Ska music are just like, it's just a jam band's like Fish and Jimmy Buffett had a baby and I don't like it. I I don't like it. I Keep uh, your Calypso influences out of my fucking rock and roll, Bill. No deal. Uh, God damn, that song's so good. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, if it was a punk song instead of a ska song, I think it might have had potential. Um, well, third wave ska, all you're asking for is to change the verses. Because yeah. the courses are just fighter jets overhead. Because World War Three is about to happen. No, I just live close to a military base. Um, <laughs> well, tell that to the microphones, John. Well, you know. So, like, I, so what's interesting is this song was first released on a demo in '94, and then was re-recorded for the album. Uh, oh God, what was the album? It was released for Everything Sucks. Then it was re-recorded again for the uh, major label debut. Be- okay, so '94. Five is everything sucks. They record the song. Scott blows up right after this. We're right on the cusp. It's about to happen. And they're just like, but wait, no, we think we had something. No, it's Can right we there. throw it's this right back there. into the ether and to see if did. it gets picked up on? And they did in 96. So I, I think I think right, we're going to yeah. have to circle back to punk for 96. Because uh, Real Big Fish gets a major label debut with Turn Off the Radio where they re-record the song. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't, I don't like ska. And that's just me. I mean, you can't account for taste, whatever it is, what it is. But 
not not my style. I think the uh, upstroke guitar is not for me. I think uh, I like horns in rock and roll, but I feel like ska horns tend to not really be interesting. Like a lot of times when they're thrown in, it's just kind of like a repetitive, at least in that song, it's just like You're crazy. the trumpet's hitting. You're crazy. Bang, and then a couple you... seconds later, bang, bang, where it's just like, you know, listen to fucking cursive if you want some fun horns in your rock and roll. I will never like, listen to cursive. <laughs> no I'm going to shoehorn them into this show so fucking quickly. Uh, right. Next song, cursive. Uh, no. <laughs> Jesus. Well, what is the next song, John? Uh, the next song I wanted to bring in, I just wanted to bring the Cars to the table. Uh, Rick Ocasek obviously producing the Blue Album, uh, Cars being an influence on Weezer. Um, and that the, the podcast that I listened to, the Tread with Shifty, the one where um, yeah. one, Rivers confirmed that Brian Bell did not play any guitar on the Blue Album. Uh, but two, he told an interesting story about the bringing on of Ocasek. Uh, I guess he was walking through a grocery store and he heard <laughs> the car is just what I needed. And, you know, he's talking about the, you know, uh, you know, heavy guitar as it comes in and then, you know, the synth that comes in later and he's just walking through the grocery store and he's like, yeah, like that's fucking Weezer. That's, that, that's what I want this to sound like. That's fucking Weezer. We got to get this guy. Part of me really feels like Rivers is like a, a dog with ADHD. Just like you hear, what's that? Nirvana? Nirvana? Oh, Nirvana. Oh, wait. Car? Cars? Oh, cars, cars, cars. Which is going to come. I, I think I'll, I can do that again in uh, about eight episodes when we're back into some more Weezer. But yeah. He um, does seem to grasp onto, and honestly, not to knock it, he grasps, grasps onto what is popular and what makes sense and what people want to hear, which is. It's it's almost the opposite way that like hardcore indie scenester people view music where they're like, it's what I want. It's what I want to do. I really feel like Rivers is it's what they want. Right. Like he's looking at music and he's like, huh, that's interesting. And the people seem to like this. I think that I could do that in my way. Yeah. And he does that for a lot of his career. Maybe that is it. Maybe he hears it and he goes, I can do that. Yeah, and he hears, oh, and he hears the cars and so. he goes, I can do that. But then he has the opportunity to work with the guy from the cars and he's like, yeah. we can do that if he helps me. Yep. Because like, you know, we've got these songs written, but like, goddamn, like that's that's the sound. Um, Interesting. So, yeah, the cars, just what I needed. Okay, yeah, if after listening to that yeah. and recording these last four episodes, yeah. it's not brutally obvious why that guy is one of the most influential people in the trajectory of Weezer. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, that's fucking Weezer. Yeah. That's I, I, clean, tight, I remember, somewhat I, garage rock. Yeah, I'm remembering back to three episodes ago where I said I couldn't hear it. I hear it. It's there. It's all over the place. I understand. Yeah. Uh Wow. That, yeah, that's a good song. It's a good track, man. That was fun. I think Ocasek knows what he's doing. Quite a bit, yeah. Um, and, and so we'll get back to this later. Uh, the Blue Album is not the only Ocasek-produced Weezer album. Yes, correct. He come, he, he does come back. He does come back. Um, and what? yeah, he's influential in the sound. He 
goddamn man, Rick Ocasek might be the most important person we've talked about in the last four episodes of the show. Uh, agreed, but well, so the we, I need to find a better way to get to what I'm talking about. Both sides going. Uh, 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 <laughs> Uh, Rick Ocasek cites uh, influences for that song from the Velvet Underground. And here I go again. He took influences from Velvet Underground and very quickly, uh, just a couple years later, produced that second Suicide album, which is in the same scene as the like post, or not post, proto-punk New York scene into the punk New York scene which the cars kind of floated around, which brings us back to what we were talking about during blue album, where Weezer has this weird, just shy of punk connection. They're rising up with all the punk bands at the same time. And they're using a producer who really took all of his influences from the adjacent punk scene, because I want to put velvet underground or suicide as punk bands, but they, they were in the scene along with talking heads and blondie. Right. Huh. That, I mean, that's very interesting. It, I had not considered the similar trajectory um, of their... I mean, because this is the cars we're talking about. Their their debut album is monumental. Uh, the 1978 oh, yeah. self-titled. Like, honestly, the cars' greatest hits album, uh, like eight of the ten tracks would come off this. Like, every cars hit that you've probably heard is off of this debut. Um, and, yeah, it's it's interesting to think that in two totally different waves of punk, um, Rick Ocasek was either in a band or helping a band be somewhat outside of it, but be influenced by it and rise to it. it, it, It's the same scene, I think, is the the word I would go off of. John, can, can you do me a favor and clip me in a track of what suicide is? Can you play me just the start of Ghost Rider by Suicide? Yes. So this is a band that Rick Ocasek produced for their second album. I was wrong before. Corrections Corner. That's what this album's. This that's what this episode's for. Uh, for their second album, this is Suicide, and Rick Ocasek saw something in this band that he said, "I want to work with that." All right, uh, Ghost Rider. Well, that was fucking awesome. I think it's just really important to understand what Rick Ocasek was taking in and how he, I feel like, brought that to Weezer to a certain extent. Like, with what we're talking about, the whole adjacent punk influence that's Rick Ocasek. Well, and we know that Rivers was resistant to any synth on Blue Album. And not just in Buddy Holly, but we get more synth in Suzanne, which was recorded as a B-side yeah. for the Blue Album sessions. Uh, Rick Ocasek clearly is just like, nah, man, <laughs> synth can be fucking worked incorrectly. And I think he's right. Wait, huh. work worked incorrectly? No, worked in correctly. Like they're working it in correctly. Huh. Okay. Wow. Um, That was an interesting bonus track I was not expecting today, but that was fun as hell. Uh, Bill, do we have anything left for uh, uh, bullshit, B-sides, anything before we get into our 
wrap up of the chapter of the blue album i think we've corrected all we need to correct we bullshit at all we can bullshit oh i've got one more um oh in the editing of this i was laughing at both of us throughout different different episodes because we're both idiots no because we both just say stupid things and sound dumb in uh, like some of the words that we're saying just sound weird. Uh, when in the blue album episode, when you are referring to a song's chorus, uh, it sounds like the word course, like the fourth course of a meal. Yeah. It's the course. Yeah. Um, and I was editing that episode and laughing my ass off about it. Uh, and then in the tour <laughs> episode, I was listening back to myself and I was mentioning, uh, dates that Weezer was playing in Europe or the EU. Uh, and I was just saying, ew, 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 um, ew I don't like this course <laughs> like that. That's what you're getting at, yeah, John. that that's what I'm getting at. Um, I don't think those fall under corrections, but fine. Well, you know, it falls under bullshit. So It'll roast us, I guess. But yeah, I mean, I, I have to sit and listen to this show. I know you don't even listen to our fucking show. Yeah. Why would I? Because you need to have a creative direction in our show, Bill. Nah, I'm going, I'm going on record and asking you to contribute to our art. Insane. <laughs> so, to wrap up, Blue, this is the end of the cycle for Weezer's first album. We've toured. We've released the album. We recorded all the way back to forming the band. Yep. Uh. So we're kind of leaving the band in a weird state. They have toured nonstop since 93 even. End of 93. They just did not stop. They toured right into the recording of the next album. So this this one doesn't even Uh, have a... Right into a third of the recording. A third of it. It doesn't even have a smooth break. That's the problem. Yeah. So... We might recover or uh, retread some of this same territory when we start Pinkerton. Our next chapter. Yes, because a lot of the Pinkerton story has to do with the knee surgery and the being at Harvard. Yes. So and those are set up during the tour. Exactly. Like during this tour, Rivers gets knee surgery to extend his leg. He they give him pain pills, which I honestly don't know if that's gonna play out to anything later, but knowing rock stars, I'm keeping an eye on it. So he is prescripted a bunch of pills. Yep. He is in pain with his leg surgery. And he decided to apply to Harvard during the middle of a world tour. Like literally they're just in Boston and he's just like, oh yeah, I'll go see if I can get into Harvard. And does. So uh, he he does that. Um, he does that. Yeah. So they, uh, the record company sees the millions of records sold and are expecting a follow-up. And importantly... They say yes to allowing Weezer self-produce the yeah. follow-up. Mm. Oh, boy. I'm oh excited. Boy. We have a whole nother chapter to go. Bill, we have like a whole nother 15 We chapters. have 15 more chapters to go. I'm excited for the next chapter. Yeah, uh, likewise. And if you've been with us this whole time, um, thank you so much. I mean, hit us up on our socials. Let us know what's been working, what hasn't been working. Um, Let us know if you are a Weezer fan. Yeah, I mean, if you've listened to five episodes at this point, I fucking hope you are. Um, but, wow. Um, Bill, are you a Weezer fan, though? I, 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 yeah. uh, join us next time as we start Chapter 2. Pinkerton, baby. <laughs>